Quad, your UVic Student Life podcast, brought to you by UVic's Office of Student Life. My name is Teresa, and I'm a fourth-year English major, and I will be hosting season one of the podcast. Meet Me in the Quad is being recorded on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen peoples. We would like to acknowledge with respect the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasainich peoples, whose historical relationships with the land continue to this day. So in today's episode, we're going to be exploring UVic and the online classroom through the Faculty of Science. Today, a professor from the Faculty of Science has joined us to chat about what some of their courses will look like this term and share advice about how students can best succeed. So on this episode, we are joined by Dr. Gregory Beaulieu, Associate Teaching Professor, Undergraduate Advisor, and Professor of Biology 150A, which is Modern Biology, and Biology 184, which is Evolution and Biodiversity. So thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? How has your summer been? My summer has been extraordinarily busy. I, I was teaching two courses during the summer online. So I've had to uh, adapt all my material for the online format. So it does give me some experience, fortunately, in, in that. Uh, these two courses were doubled up courses. In the summer, the terms are six weeks rather than 12 weeks. Oh, wow. So, really condensed. Uh, I'm, uh, busy adapting things. And uh, so I, uh, you know, I've learned uh, a thing or two. Uh, and uh, I, I was glad of the opportunity. I guess you could see I, I experimented on a small number of people. And, and, uh, and now uh, I'm, we're looking at uh, several hundred students in, in September, of course, in both courses. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> Well, we're looking at, I think it's about 800 people in 184 and about 450 in 150A, so. Definitely. Great. So um, just before we start our conversation, I just wanted to do a little icebreaker, a fun segment that we have on our podcast. It's called This or That. So basically, um, there are some areas of like campus life where our community is pretty polarized. So for instance, where is the best study spot on campus or where is the best place to buy coffee? Mm -hmm. So um, we've identified a few of these areas and we want to hear where you fall. All right. Okay. Does that sound good? That, that, that sounds like a challenge. But okay. <laughs> so we're just going to present you with two ideas or concepts and then you'll just have to choose between this one or that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this or that. Do you prefer questions during office hours or through email? Office hours, you can have a more ex extended discussion in office hours. Mm -hmm. You can have more of an exchange during office hours. The emails can go back and forth, but I think students might be inhibited from asking questions that are too detailed in, uh, in email. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes, the best questions uh, are, are perhaps the vaguest questions or to the student. I mean, I, so often happens a student will say, I know this sounds stupid, but, and then they <laughs> ask the world's best question. Uh, and so maybe they hesitate to commit themselves in print, in writing to what they consider a stupid question, uh, but uh, just in person, uh, they, can, they can ask away. So uh, I, I think the, the discussion is a little bit more productive during office hours. Definitely. And 
there's still opportunity, I assume, like during this term as well to have office hours is like through Zoom. Is that yeah. usually how you'll do it? In the two courses I'm involved with, we'll have regular Zoom office hours once a week. Oh, so for good. example, Biology 184 will be having Zoom office hours three times during the day on Monday, uh, every Monday. Uh, so the students can just drop in and drop out. The attendance is not required, but we have scheduled the time so that they don't conflict with any other student obligations. Uh, so a student will not have some other class at that time. We would encourage students to certainly show up with any questions they have. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a, a kind of an intimidation factor during a regular school year. If you think about it, uh, a high school student in June of their final year of high school would be in a class of 30 or 25 or 30 students. And then three months later, they're in a class of 350 students. Uh, and it, it, it can be hard to just make people know you're there. You know, uh, it, you can just drift through kind of anonymously, but um, if you just make people remember you, I mean, a good way, of course, but make people uh, know you're there. And the one way is to get in, getting to know your, your students, your, your fellow students, and in your TA, ask your TA about their research, they'd be happy to tell you, mm -hmm. and uh, talk to your professors. Uh, so many students are intimidated by, uh, by a professor's office, um, but, uh, that is is unnecessary, and, and it's kind of a kind of a speed bump you have to get over as you're a, you're a first year student. And so, just a general advice in being a student, and general advice in life uh, outside academia is talk to people. You know, mm -hmm. especially during this time. Yeah, yeah, especially this time, because <laughs> your interactions with people are are rarer and and therefore much more valuable. Definitely, and. Honestly, um, sometimes even like previous academic terms, uh, like office hours weren't always scheduled to uh, like accommodate all student schedules, right? So I think this is a great opportunity to, you know, get to know your professors and ask important questions and get that like face-to-face -face time, which is so important. Um, uh, and I will say that um, a student might have a pressing matter. Maybe mm -hmm. it can't wait till the next office hour. Uh, maybe uh, there's some time conflict. Uh, we are open to making Zoom appointments outside office hours. That's so uh, we're, uh, I'm a full-time instructor, so uh, you won't be interfering with some world-changing uh, <laughs> other work I'm doing. So, uh, uh, you know, I even during a regular year, I would have open office hours. Uh, I have an open door policy. Sometimes I'm in meetings, sometimes in other classes, but as long as in my office, I'm in my office. Students would be welcome to drop by out of the blue, and I could usually deal with a question. And so we're transferring that to uh, this new environment. And, and if, if you can't wait till next Monday, if you have to talk to me or one of the other professors in the course right away, mm -hmm. you're quite welcome to ask for a Zoom appointment. That's awesome. Great. All right. So the next one, um, this or that, labs or lectures? Which do you prefer doing? <laughs> it's like saying, which do I prefer, speaking or writing, or, or uh, you know, library or nature? Uh, you know, <laughs> labs and lectures, they, they certainly overlap, but they are complementary <laughs> to some extent. I mean, you, you have to know physically how to do stuff in science, mm -hmm. and you have to have a personal experience with, with, with life. Uh, at the same time, 
part of being an academic, part of being a rational person is knowing how to listen to other people, knowing how to read, knowing how to write. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I'm going to violate the uh, spirit of this uh, conversation <laughs> by saying I can't pick between labs and lectures. Uh, Biology 184 does have both. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, I'll just say in Biology 184, the person coordinating the labs, Dr. Katie Hine, has worked through this course this summer you know, with a smaller number of students and mm -hmm. has come up with a lot of really good labs. Uh, in biology, you, you might not think of it, but you're surrounded by biology. Even in your home, you're surrounded by biology. Going to your kitchen, there's nothing but biology in your kitchen. You go outside, you're surrounded by biology, even if you live in the middle of a city. So uh, she has taken advantage of that fact about uh, life to put together some very, very useful labs. So I think the students uh, in biology will be very pleased by that. Biology 150A is not a lab course. Uh, it's taken by students with no biology or uh, with perhaps some biology, but they don't need the lab course. So, so that's the structure of those two courses. Awesome. All right. And so, last, so I'm sorry for bailing on your question. Oh, that's okay. You can answer however way you like. Right. <laughs> okay, so last one. Charles Darwin or Gregor Mendel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, those two guys were opposites. Yes. Uh, Charles Darwin was born into a wealthy family. He never had a paying job in his life. He never needed to work for a living. He, he had investments that, that provided the income. He wrote books that sold a lot. So he was uh, very rich and uh, very sick. He was ill most of his life. So he was battling illness most of his life. So uh, th there was that about him. He was famous in his day. Uh, everyone knew during his life that he was living a historically significant life. And so uh, the lot we know about him. Mm -hmm. Gregor Mendel came from a poor peasant family, never graduated from university. He was in a university, but in his second year, his father had an accident on the farm and could no longer send money to him. So mm -hmm. drop out and find a job, and the job he found was a monk in this August monastery in Brno. So he, to some extent, he was a hard luck story. Uh, he managed to overcome these, these circumstances by doing very important scientific work. Unfortunately, it was not uh, recognized during his life. And so it, it is kind of a tragedy that he died without the acclaim that he really deserved, without receiving the fulfillment as a scientist that he deserved. Mm -hmm. So asking me if I could transport myself back to the 19th century, I think I'd choose Darwin and his illness and Gregor Mendel and his uh, obscurity. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is an interesting choice because they represent opposites uh, in, in almost every facet of their life. Mendel never had a family, never married, obviously, as a monk, had a very large family, had something like 10 children with his wife, Emma. Darwin had enormous amounts of adventure in his life, at least when he was young. Men, the only adventure I know of Mendel's life is he, he and his monk friends went to England for a holiday for a month. <laughs> so that was about all the adventure he had. That's so um, I guess it depends on uh, uh, whether you you prefer uh, you prefer to be prefer to be rich and famous but sick, or poor and obscure but healthy. So so again, it's not an easy choice. I'm, it really uh, I'm isn't. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm of this conversation.
<laughs> That's all good. All right. So I wanted to ask you about your two courses um, for the fall term here. So um, would you mind going into a little bit more detail about um, modern biology and evolution and biodiversity? So just kind of explaining like who should enroll in them, um, what the typical structure of these courses are like, and perhaps like some of the key lessons that students will learn in each of these courses? Sure. Yeah. Well, Biology 150A is an introduction to biology intended for people who don't plan on majoring biology, who either are interested in learning a bit of biology or have a, a biology as a requirement of their program. For example, the BA in psych requires a 150AB. Mm, okay. It does not assume any biological knowledge. It helps if you have a little bit of chemistry. It's not required, mm -hmm. but so much of functional biology comes down to chemistry that uh, a little bit of chemistry, even from high school, would help. But as I say, it's not, not required. There, there are no labs, so it's three hours lecture per week. Biology 150A, uh, I take the first month of it and I talk about evolution and genetics and history of life. Ooh. My friend David Punselin comes in in October and he talks about biodiversity. So all of biodiversity in one month, that's a challenge. Yeah, uh, wow. Billion, <laughs> uh, years and about 4 million species and he covers them uh, in, in one month. So, so that'll be a, a fun ride. What a challenge. Uh, well, it, it, it's more than a challenge. It's an absolute <laughs> impossibility. But everyone who does this does, does the best they can. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Hugh McIntosh comes in uh, at uh, the end in November and discusses ecology. Uh, Hugh is interesting. He hasn't taught this course before. He's a graduate of the UVic biology department. He um, was an honor student back in, I think, 2008. Uh, he later uh, went on to do a PhD. He spent 10 years in Australia, uh, oh. and now he's back, and he, he's teaching here at uh, UVic. Wow. So, so that's the material that will be covered. It's, it's certainly more, I would say, more student-friendly mm -hmm. because it connects students with parts of biology they probably already like. I mean, if you like to hike in the woods or if you like uh, playing with your dogs and your cats, you know, um, you look at biology from an ecosystem level or, or a diversity level. Biology 150B in January is more functional in its treatment. You're going to do a little bit of chemistry, how cells work, and then plant and animal physiology. So these two kinds of biology do appeal to different people. Uh, you know, I don't want to say one kind of person, but uh, uh, you, you will find a lot of people might have a stronger preference for, for one kind of biology than the other kind of biology. So to be a biologist, uh, that, uh, that's not of uh, much typological significance. Uh, there are many different kinds of biologists. There are biologists who, uh, they're called lab rats. They, they sit in the lab <laughs> all day. They never go outside, uh, but they're good biologists. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the structure of 150A. And so we don't assume... Uh, any biology, we don't assume any chemistry, but if you have a smattering of these things, that's fine. You can take these courses, 150A and 150B, if you do have high school biology, so that doesn't dis disqualify you from taking them, but it, uh, it, it's not required that you have uh, high school biology. Biology 184 is paired with Biology 186, which will be in January. Mm. Biology 184, well, we talk about uh, history of life, 
how organisms are classified. Then we have a more extended diversity section uh, that lasts a month and a half. Uh, and, uh, and then at the end, there's a section on genetics and evolution. Ooh. So it's a fuller treatment than 150A. We don't have ecology, though, in 184. And students might be interested to know this about the publication trade. A lot of intro biology texts come in two flavors. They come as the, the majors text, which is typically 1,000 or 1,100 pages long, mm -hmm. and then the baby text, which is maybe six or 700 pages long. And the, the baby text is essentially a condensation of the main text. That's the, those are the texts we're using in these courses. So in 184, 186, we use the majors text, uh, you could uh, use it to weight train, and then you you get very strong after six months. Uh, and then the baby text, the condensed version of that same text, is what we use in 150 AB. Mm -hmm. 184 is, as I said, it's a lab course, and I know everyone's worried about the labs, mm -hmm. and everyone in UVic and everywhere else is worried about the labs they're going to offer, and the students are kind of wondering about the labs they're going to get. And I can't speak for my colleagues in other departments, mm -hmm. but um, biology labs do connect more naturally to, to the world uh, around you. Uh, and so we have, as I say, uh, Dr. Petey Hine, who's organizing them, uh, has, has really worked hard to make them worthwhile. And the trial run of this course this summer suggests that she has really succeeded. So uh, the students will be doing a lot of interesting biology on, on stuff just around them. I, we, even, we even have a microscope for you to buy. It's called a fold scope. It's essentially a little paper microscope. Ooh, so, that's um, fun. We can't, get, we can't send through the mail a $2,000 microscope, <laughs> but we can get you to buy this, this fold scope, as it's called, for a few dollars. And that's part of the package you get from the bookstore along with your lab man. That's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, for the labs as well, are you able to like speak a little bit more about them? Like what um, will some of them be in person or will they be facilitated online? Yeah, so none of them are in person. Okay. They do require, unlike the lectures, they do require specific time commitment. Mm -hmm. So you have to be at a certain place, well, you have to be online rather, at a certain time uh, every week. Okay. And be, there are Zoom sessions. And uh, it's not just all the students in one Zoom session. There are breakout rooms that uh, four students can, can go into, four students per breakout room, and they can have discussions and come back to the main room. Mm. So there is some student interaction there, uh, as well as different kinds of activities and assignments. There are quite a few small activities and assignments peppered through the term that, that the student would do just to keep them engaged. Okay. So for the labs, you do have a time commitment but certainly not an in-person commitment. And I know that there are students in Asia, students in Europe, students in Latin America, students elsewhere in North America following this course. So uh, time zones might be an issue for some students, but uh, that's, that's the structure. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. A lot of people would be happy to know like structure for that um, type of course. Um, so um, how many hours a week do you expect students to spend on this course typically, or both courses typically? Yeah, well, uh, you're going to be, every Friday in both courses, every Friday we're going to post three 30-minute PowerPoints. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're, narrate, we're, we're preparing PowerPoints, we're narrating them, which you can do in PowerPoint, and then we're converting those to an MP4. Oh, and the okay, MP4 so will, 
they can listen and watch and they can stop, they can go, uh, and they're not, uh, it's not time dependent. They can, they can work through this on their own, uh, according to their own schedule. Uh, so it'll be every Friday, uh, we're committed to doing this on a regular basis so the students will, will know when and where to look for these new PowerPoints. The, power, the narrated PowerPoints are converted to an MP format, MP4 format, and then there's a tool called Kaltura, which takes that MP4 and uh, is able to convert that into something the student can, can watch without having PowerPoint. So you don't need PowerPoint, you don't need Kaltura on your computer. Uh, you can just click on this and it, <clears throat> it'll open and you can watch it at your leisure. You can't download it, so you have to go on the website to look at it. Uh, but as I say, you can look at it and talk back and forth through it as you, as you feel you need to. So that's gonna be a 90 minute commitment you should understand that you're going to be taking notes, so maybe double that. You're talking about maybe three hours, mm -hmm. uh, which is the normal lecture commitment uh, you would have uh, during such a course. I would expect uh, you could uh, you could count on perhaps uh, three to five hours a week uh, with textbook and doing problems and so on. And then lab, uh, that's going to be three hours a week plus some prep. Mm -hmm, um, definitely. And I think some people, if they work efficiently, might be able to, to do it in less time. That's awesome. I mean, that day, if you're taking five courses, that sounds like a heck of a oh. work. <laughs> um, but as I say, uh, you know, you might find some shortcuts. And, and uh, in K-12 to education, your time is blocked out for you. Definitely, yeah. In university, they're, they're, as, as you know from yourself, from your own experience, uh, it, it, it's more up to you. And, and especially in this new environment. Uh, so there, you don't have other people and, and uh, a lot of time commitments pulling you along. Yeah. So you, and, and this will be a difficulty that students will have to face, but they just have to know this, that uh, if you are disciplined about time or if you are able to schedule uh, things, if you can focus when you need to focus and you don't waste time, uh, those are going to be very valuable gifts for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It can be a little bit of a challenge especially when you're not like physically you know going to campus coming back or like you know doing the usual things that we all would do during a normal term but know this all you first years that everyone is going you know through the same kind of process and we're all learning together but um you know it, it's kind of up to you and like how how you you know how much effort you kind of put into your schoolwork and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a learning opportunity for sure. for sure. And if I can give a couple of very specific items of advice, and I think these, these are quite important. Yeah. We, we, all of my colleagues and I have spent a lot of time thinking about things from the student's point of view. Because mm -hmm. we understand that going to university, especially if it's in their first year, it's, it's a big deal. You know, it's, a, sure. it's a real landmark in your life. And it, it's very different this year. Mm -hmm. Now, I've thought about a student's experience just on a daily basis, and here's what happens. You go to a class, you take notes, you talk to your friends, uh, hopefully not during class, but uh, <laughs> uh, and then the class is over, you get up, you go get a coffee, maybe you go to the library, maybe you go to another class. Uh, the point is you're interacting with other people, mm -hmm. and most people derive energy from that. Even if it's interacting with people you don't know, just being surrounded by other human beings, a certain amount of energy that, that magically comes to you. 
Uh, also, just moving between buildings, you might have a 10-minute walk. If one class is in uh, Bob Wright and your other one is uh, over in the law school, you know, mm -hmm. that's a 10-minute walk. That's not just a break. That's processing time. You're not aware, but you're processing stuff uh, as you go from class to class. And, and there's something about walking that, that encourages thought. There's something about it, just a change in physical environment. Definitely. So, so you don't have that when you're working at home. So I, I suggest students think about trying to replicate that. So uh, people, uh, maybe you live alone, maybe you live with others, family or roommates, interact with them when you can um, to replicate the experience of walking between classes. Walk around the house, walk to the end of the block and back, walk around the block, walk around the neighborhood. These don't have to be concerted, prolonged urban hikes. <laughs> they're, they're, just, they're just little processing breaks. Uh, so I, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, go to places where there are people. Uh, if, if you can, uh, just uh, hanging around in malls or going downtown, just be, being surrounded by anonymous people. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, uh, it's more valuable, valuable than you might think. And as I say, I'm, I'm trying to think of ways a student can replicate the normal student experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so those are two suggestions I would make. And uh, I know uh, another of my colleagues has said over in, in her department, they're trying to get students away from their screens. Yes. They're going to be spending so much time on their screens, so much time with this one device, whether it's a laptop or something. We want to get, you have to do it, but uh, you want to get away from that when you can get away from that. For sure. It can be, yeah, like just very, very draining if you're like constantly like, anxious about those types of things are just always plugged in. And I think that's really, really great advice. Um, you know, just taking the time to step back and like getting that, as you said, that time to process like what you've learned and a little bit of time to like decompress and, you know, you can grab a little tea, a little coffee, walk around. And I think that's a really, really good tip for students, especially, you know, first years who are just kind of getting used to it and, um, yeah, who will probably need a little bit more time doing that kind of activity. Um, so I'll just ask you a, f a few more questions here. Um, so what have been like the, the perks and I guess challenges for preparing for these courses um, in general? Well, I, I have to say, I, I, I like Frederick Nishka's uh, old saying, uh, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So in other words, the good things and the bad things are the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so in preparing my lectures, I've had to be a bit more disciplined about what I talk about uh, in class. I might go on some pointless digression, but uh, <laughs> that doesn't really fly. That tests the students' patience uh, when they're online. So I've had to trim things uh, down a little bit. Uh, I've had to, I had to be aware of how much expression, how much meaning is conveyed by my voice. So mm -hmm. if you're physically in front of students in class, you're, you're walking around, you're waving your arms around, and it's amazing how much information you can express just simply by waving your arms in the student's <laughs> face. Um, so I can't do that anymore. These are narrated PowerPoints. I'll, you know, I'll appear just to, as an intro and at the end, but I won't, my physical presence won't be there. That I think that's, I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to be a little figure in the corner. <laughs> So I've had to think about training my voice the way an actor would train their voice, like a voice oh. actor. I have no experience in drama except in high school, uh, but I realized that 
it's it's a different format, uh, mm -hmm. and so I do have to pay more attention to uh, the quality of my voice and what it's saying. So, so that is something I've been aware of, mm -hmm. and it has broadened my experience somewhat, or my um, awareness of students' experiences. Uh, so, so we are all of us are trying to think of it from the student's point of view, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly doing that more than I might have during a regular year. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. I never thought of like having like having to do that type of preparation for a course, but that's that's really interesting. Well, it started when I you know I prepared a lecture and then I played it back and I thought, oh, <laughs> yeah, it can be hard listening to your own voice. I'm going to have to do that soon because I'm going to be editing these too. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to listen to your own voice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, so what aspects of Bio 150A and 184 are you most looking forward to this term? Well, I'm most looking forward to, uh, I guess, the result. And the result is in terms of student interest. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, and don't tell anyone this, but uh, sometimes in, in 158, we're trying to recruit people as biology majors, so we're mm -hmm. trying to make biology more attractive as a potential major than, than they might have uh, considered before the course. So we're trying to interest students in biology, but we're also trying to interest students in, in, in studying biology at a more advanced level. Hmm. Uh, you know, I teach a course called The, Bio the Biology Behind the News. It's just, just ended. Uh, and uh, certainly the 20th century is this, the 21st century, excuse me, is the century of biology. There's no question, just look at the state we're in. The state we're in is all biology. Mm -hmm. Climate change, all biology. Uh, growing problems, antibiotic resistance uh, among uh, bacteria. That's, that's biology. So, so the 21st century is the century of biology. And so a little bit of rough and ready biology is really essential for, for anyone, uh, I think. And uh, it's in terms of where interesting science is, I'm biased, of course, but I think biology, if you think about biology as a whole, the number of interesting questions and interesting areas in biology uh, is just uh, just enormous. And so there, there's, there's biology for everybody, I think. That's great. Yeah. And I think these courses that you're, you're teaching are really, really like ways of you know, other students can access that type of, you know, scientific information. And if you're really, you know, passionate about it and you're a bit unsure, like, I feel like these would be really good courses to kind of dive into it. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in, in, especially in biology 184, where there are labs, mm -hmm. we, we do focus on things like Plagiarism. We tell students what's mm -hmm. plagiarism, what, what is plagiarism, what isn't. We, we tell students how to research something, where to go online. To, mm -hmm. yeah. we, we educate students in the honest conf confrontation of data. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, science doesn't, science doesn't, uh, science is a good place to develop intellectual honesty. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, you, you judge according to the evidence. And I'm not saying that all, all scientists do that all the time. Everybody's human and everybody has faults. But the ideal in science is, is intellectual honesty. And, uh, you know, we try to, especially in the labs, we try to uh, convey that to, to the students. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And like, that'll be really important information to carry forward if they decide to do even more courses in, in biology or other, you know, departments within mm -hmm. sciences, which is awesome. Um, one last question. I know you already gave some really great advice, but do you have any parting thoughts or um, advice for any, you know, incoming students to the faculty at all? Well, I, I think students probably are getting their fill of advice uh, this month, so I have no more advice. But I'll just, I have an observation to make. Mm -hmm. For many students, most of the students in this uh, course are, have just, in these courses have just come out of high school. So uh, for a lot of students, this is their first encounter and involvement with actual history. This is the first actual history they're living through. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, if you think about that, this is connecting everybody with with history is it, connecting people with with previous generations the generation that endured world war one the generation that endured world war ii the generations that went through the cuban missile crisis in 1962 we almost blew up the whole world uh, the lunar landing in 1969 fall of the berlin wall in 1989 9-11 uh, in 2001 you know when these things happen you you know you're living through history and it connects you with previous generations who have endured, uh, well, both the good and the bad parts of history. So, so I think students who are living through this time, despite all of its challenges, are being connected with the human race and, and human history in, in uh, ways that in normal times maybe they wouldn't be. So I don't know what you're gonna do with that. It's, as I say, it's just an observation. But um, you, can, you can now regard yourself as having joined the, the parade of human history. That's great. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think if you kind of keep that in mind, you're, you're kind of also acknowledging that you're also a part of the human condition, the human process of mm -hmm. all of this. So it's not it's not just like oh this this whole year is terrible because this this and this and it's only because of all of this but you know it's it's just history. <laughs> talk to your parents, talk to your grandparents, find out what they went through. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you so so much for coming on to our podcast today, and I really appreciate you coming on to discuss you know Bio One Fifty A and One Eighty Four with us. Um, and I think this is going to provide you know a lot of really wonderful insight to a lot of new UVic students. Um, well, thank yeah. you very much for having me, Teresa. Yeah, of course. So that's all for this episode. And um, be sure to check out our next few episodes in this series, UVic and the Online Classroom, where we'll be uh, interviewing instructors from the faculties of social science and fine arts as well. So bye for now, folks.